0: Say we, we've been walking through a series called Love Like Jesus. The first week we talked about loving like Jesus in the, areas of, uh, in the area of the fringe, right? Those that are on the outside, those that society has decided that they are not worth as much as, as, or they don't have as much value as others do. And so Jesus commands us and he tells us they are valuable and you are to love them. The second week, uh, Jamie talked to us about loving like Jesus regarding forgiveness, Uh, Jesus showed his love for us in one way by forgiving us, and he commands us to love one another and forgive one another. And then last week we looked at loving like Jesus in fellowship, being in community, doing life with one another, loving as God intended and created us, which is in relationships. And this week we're going to look at loving like Jesus in the area of serving, so Dan, and it, you guys know Dan Thomas, Dan Thomas and I were at a restaurant having breakfast this past week, and there was a gal that was serving, and she walks up to Dan, and she says, where did the church go? Now, we have a shirt here at the church that has our church name on the front, and then on the back it says, the church has left the building, right? You see the little, the boots and stuff, like it's been working, right? Yeah? <laughs> Jamie's wanting a shirt, man. No? No? Nothing, nothing. You guys are like killing me today. I need you guys to help me out a little bit, okay? Like, Jamie, come on, man. You're, you're my guy, man. So, so it says, it says the church has left the building. And it's a shirt that we designed with the intention to invite questions. But also to remind us as we wear it that it's vital, right, it is vital that we gather and we learn and we worship together so it's got the church on the front side. Like we talked about last week, we have to gather, we have to do community, but it is equally vital that we go out and love like Jesus in the community. So when it comes to us being the church, there isn't one picking one over the other. Sometimes you get people that say, no, 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 it's just all about what we're doing in the church. And others will say, no, it's about what we're doing in the community. Well, scripture makes it clear. We don't pick one or the other. We do both. Amen, church. All right. Amen, church. All right. And so that's that's the idea. And so she grabs or she comes up to Dan and she says, where did the church go? Well, Dan was good, man, like he'd been trained or something. He didn't miss a beat. He says, it's right here. And he points to himself. And she's like, what? And she he points to me and he says, it's right there. And so if you guys know Dan, Dan and George went and served in Texas and did some hurricane relief stuff. And there happened to be a guy there in the restaurant that went with them. And so Dan goes, man, I'm the church and that guy's the church and that guy's the church. And this woman was just confused. She didn't know what in the world he was talking about. And then he goes on to say, the church is right here. Right? He said... He said to her, we are the church. We don't just go to church. We want to get outside of the walls and serve those around us. To serve and share the love of Jesus with others. And when it comes to serving, we have the greatest example, don't we church? We serve a Jesus that is second to none. We serve a Jesus that deserves all the praise and all the glory and all the attention because of who he is and what he did. But Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 10 something a little bit different. It's going to sound a little counterculture to us. Listen to how Jesus describes himself in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says, for even the Son of Man, that's a name for Jesus, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to help me out church, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is and was the, the, the supreme example of being a servant. He's, we sing songs and we call him King of Kings and Lord of Lords and Jesus Messiah name above all names, right? We sing all of that, but that man, that God, Jesus, was willing to set aside what he deserved. He was willing to set aside what he deserved so that he could give us and be for us what we needed. To serve, as used here in Mark, it comes from the Greek word diakoneo. Diakoneo, that's where we get our word deacon. And it means, and it's really a great uh, illustration when you look at the meaning. It means to minister to, it means to serve, but it really means to wait on tables. To wait on tables. It's a great illustration. When you are a waiter, right, your job, your intention is to provide the needs for the person at your table. Are you with me? When you're sitting there, you don't have a fork, you ask the waiter for a fork. You need your food, you ask the waiter for your food, because you can't go back and get it on your own. Are you guys tracking with me? Alright, so that's the idea of that word diakoneo, it's to serve. And God, Jesus, knew that we needed a Savior. As sinners... Even though sometimes we don't like to admit it, we are not able to earn our salvation. We are not capable of getting to heaven on our own. We are not able of having eternal life on our own. We don't have the ability to make our sins go away, right? We don't have the ability to restore our relationship with God. And so, Jesus came to serve. He came to bring us what we needed He really came to be what and who we needed. We needed Him, which which is a Savior, the only one able to give His life as a ransom for us. And Jesus, throughout His life on earth, was an example to us in love and servanthood. He was the example that we need to follow. He loved by serving. And so the hope this morning is this, is that we can look at John chapter 13 and learn from Jesus. If you don't have a Bible, there's some at the end of the row for you. If you don't have one, take it home with you. That's our gift to uh, our gift to you for free. But we're going to be looking at John chapter 13. And so we're going to look at some things. We're going to say, what what does Jesus do? How does he teach? Who is he? So that we can love like him, because we, we're called to be followers of Christ, amen? We're called to be followers of Christ. To be a Christian means to be, a, to be of the party of Christ, to be a... Are you with me? Right? We're, we're, we're followers of Christ. I might ask you if you guys are with me a whole lot today, because I'm just getting a whole lot of just... So, just bear with me, alright? We want to see who he is, how he teaches, and what he does, so that we can love like him in the area of serving Serving one another in the church. You guys are sitting in chairs, and I'm standing on a stage right now because a group of people said, I'm going to serve the church. Serving God just in our day-to-day life. Serving outside these walls like we did yesterday. By the way, way to go. Way to go. The Easter egg hunt, more people than we've ever had out there. It's estimated we had over 400 people out there. And uh, and so we got to go out there and lay out 8,350 eggs. Nobody ever wants to look at an egg again, right? But we, we laid those puppies out, and, and uh, a couple of us got out there at, what time did we get out there? Six o'clock? We got out there at six o'clock and, and laid out these eggs, and then a whole bunch of more people came at eight o'clock to serve and, and to, to run the bouncy houses. You guys ran the bouncy houses, Right. Somebody else was with you, Sam, I think. Jamie helped set them up. But we, man, it was just awesome to see our church serve. And I'll tell you, our community responded in a really fantastic way. They're sending Facebook messages and say, way to go. Way to serve us. Way to be here. Way to be involved in, and way to take care of us. So I just want to tell you, as your pastor, way to go, church. Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours put into just making this little thing happen. And so we've, we've invited the people to, to Easter Sunday and we'll want to see God. Uh, be uh, active in that so leading up to verse or chapter 13 just to give a little bit of background of what's happening before we get to John chapter 13 We have the last week before Jesus is going to be crucified Today we celebrate what what's today? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday you guys are on there we go. You got one man And so we we see that in chapter 12, right? If you look in your Bible, sometimes it gives you a title your Bible might title that section as the triumphant entry Right Or the triumphant entry of the Christ or, or Jesus or the Messiah. And people gathered. They, they came together and they gathered. And they were excited about Jesus coming to their city. Even though soon after, not many days after, there were going to be people. We don't know if it's the same people or not. But there are going to be people crying out, crucify him. But right now, they were excited that Jesus was there. They were excited that he was there. And they celebrate as he enters the city. They're laying down their coats and palms so he could walk on walk into the city. Then Jesus, throughout the rest of his week, would spend time teaching and teaching. And I said teaching twice, didn't I? He must have been teaching a lot. He was speaking truth and he was having great conversations and tough conversations with, with the, with the religious leaders. And he, so he's speaking and he's teaching and he's, and he's, and he's teaching truth. He goes into the temple. We've got that famous passage where we wish we could do sometimes where Jesus goes and turns the table over. But Jesus, you know, can be angry without sinning, right? If we can do that, maybe we can go turn some table overs. But, but he goes into the temple and the Bible says that he went in and began throwing out those that were selling. And he told them, it is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. That happened this last week. He taught or his last week. He taught by parables. He spent time with the people. But leading up to our text today. Is also where we read a really dark part. Of what was happening in this story. Judas met with the chief priest. And the scribes. And he had agreed to betray Jesus. So that they could put him to death. All of this is happening. Are you with me? Lots of stuff has happened in this last week. But Jesus is still doing what he, what he came to do. Jesus is aware of all of this but look at what we see in john chapter 13 starting in verse 1 now before the feast of the passover jesus knowing that his hour had come that he would depart out of the world to the father so he came right we look at john chapter 3 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son like jesus came the father sent him and then now he knows that his time is about to happen where he's going to go back to be with the father and it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them completely or to perfection. During supper, the, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, to betray Jesus. The Passover was a time, we're not going to go real deep into that, just give you an idea. The Passover was a time for the Jewish people to really celebrate something that God did in their past with the exile from, from Egypt. They had been in bondage and now they were set free. They celebrate and remember the protection of the Lord. So they're about to have this feast together. They're gathered with Jesus and it says that Jesus knew that his hour had come. Jesus knew it was about time for his ultimate sacrifice. The time for the cross was here. Then in verse 2 we see more of what's going on. During the supper the devil had put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus, the person, this is important, I want to make sure we catch this. The person that is going to betray Jesus is in the room having a meal with Jesus. He had already decided that he's going to betray Christ. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Here's the scene, church. Jesus is gathered with his 12 people. They're having that meal, right? The, the men that had, that had been with him, the men that had ministered with him, the men that had served with him, the men that had said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. They are all gathered together in this private room taking this meal together. And Jesus gets up. And he starts to prepare himself for something. What exactly is Jesus about to do? He's about to serve. He's about to serve. He... God is about to serve those that call Him God. He's about to serve those that call Him Master and Lord and Teacher. What's so significant about this? There's a couple things. One is this. He's God. Amen, church? He's God. He's the Messiah. He's the name above all names. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So I think it's a little bit of a big deal. That doesn't make sense, does it? A little bit of a big deal. It's a big deal that this guy is serving. Amen? Amen? All right. It's a big deal that Jesus is serving. Amen, church? Thanks, Jay. All right, we're good, man. And then two, he's about to suffer on the cross, but he chooses to serve others. Here's the reality. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Betrayal is already in the heart of one of the guys that's sitting in the room. Jesus knows that, but yet he still chooses to serve others. On the back of your notes, you're going to see a laid out spot for us to take notes today. And here's the first one. Jesus served selflessly. And he did that in two ways. First, he wasn't worried about what he deserved. If there's anybody that deserved anything, it was Jesus. Even though he is God and master and Lord, he served and two he wasn't worried about what was next for him he was about to go through the most excruciating pain the cross by the way we wear it as a symbol of love and christianity and jesus and it's beautiful and it's on a necklace it's on our earrings it's all those things that may be tattooed on us it's beautiful but in that day it was the worst death anybody could ever experience and jesus knew it was coming he knew it was coming and he served He set aside what he deserved and he set aside even what he knew was coming to serve others. He served selflessly. and So we can look at Jesus and see him exampling, serving selflessly. I know that I can struggle with that. Maybe I'm the only one, but I would dare to say that we all struggle with that area, with this attitude of me. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's happening in my life. What about what about me? What about what I deserve? What about my place? What about my position? Why should I be doing that? But Jesus says, I'm God and I'm about to give my life for you, but I'm still going to serve you. He served selflessly. Look at verse 5. Jesus gets up from the supper and he grabs a towel. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Lord, do you wash my feet? Simon's probably a little bit, or Peter, Simon Peter's probably a little bit confused here. He and the disciples are watching Jesus, the Lord of Lords, like he he, he gets up, he lays aside his garments, he takes the towel, he pours water into the basin, he's now washing and wiping the feet of his disciples, and to them that doesn't make any sense. Washing the feet of another person is considered the job of a lowly servant. You walk into a room and your feet need washed, you know who does it? the lowest ranking member, the lowest on the social order, the lowest in power. This wasn't a job for the leader or their Lord. And just like us the disciples struggled with this mentality and mindset of serving and, and who should do it. And we see that throughout scripture. I'm just give us give us one or two examples. Luke chapter 22, we actually see an argument break out about who's better. Jesus says, "I'm the best and I'm serving your butts," right? Your feet maybe. I don't. Know. But, but 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 now there's an argument here. This is in, this is this is right before this verse 24 of Luke chapter 2. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But Jesus, the great teacher, he says to them, Guys, the kings of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They lord it over those that they are over. And those who have authority over them have uh, have called themselves or have themselves called benefactors. Right? But it's not... To be like that among you, if you're a follower of me, it's not to be like that. On the contrary, he's saying this is going to be counterculture, right? Whoever is the greatest among you should become like the youngest. Whoever leads like the one serving. He's changing their way of thinking as they're in the midst of this argument. For who is greater, he's asking a question. Guys, who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Now, we would answer that and say it's the one at the table. They're the ones being served, right? They're the ones having things brought to them. And he says, isn't it the one at the table? But then he, he kind of shocks him a little bit. He says, but I am among you is the one who serves. The greatest is the one who serves. It's helpful to know that these men, they walked with Jesus. They were face to face with Jesus and they struggled with this as well. So that doesn't mean I don't, this doesn't mean that I don't need to change. But when I struggle with it, it's like, okay, even the men that walked with Jesus are wrestling with this one, right? Are you with me? And so it's not, this isn't a new struggle, so Jesus lays out this counterculture conversation with him. He's telling him, many think the greatest is the one being served, but the greatest one, Jesus lays it out for him. He says, I'm the one serving. Mark chapter 10, before the passage we read before, it says, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. When we look for leaders at authentic life, we look for people that serve. We look for people that serve. And whoever wants to be first among you will be slave to all. Be slave to all. So Jesus has these teaching moments with them and for us. And, and so they're out there fighting to, to, to be first, to be, the, to be the greatest. And the greatest one that has ever lived or that ever will live is becoming last, becoming low. And he is serving those that follow him. And to them and to us, this is a crazy way of thinking. It goes against everything of who we are as Americans, the way we do our society, the way we do sociology. It goes away against, it goes against our, our thinking and acting. Let me give you a little illustration here. Can you imagine if the Queen of England or the President of the United States, if they walked into your home, they walk into my home, And they come in and they're having a meal. Maybe they're celebrating just like they are out there. So maybe we're having a Thanksgiving meal or an Easter meal or something. And and everything's going good. We're having a great conversation. And when they're done eating, they get up. The president rolls his sleeves up, right? The Queen of England takes her jacket off and they start to get ready. They start to prepare. They grab a rag. They They grab a scrub brush and they get cleaning materials and they walk into the bathroom. In fact, in my house... They walk into the bathroom where I have a four year old and a five year old little boy. Okay? You guys get the picture. It's gross, all right? So 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 they they walk into that and they begin serving and cleaning. We would look at the president, we would look at the Queen of England or whatever person we want to put up there and say, What are you doing? That is nuts. Like, what are you doing? And this is about what it had been like for Jesus to wash their feet. Guys, they didn't have nice little Nikes that kept their feet nice and, and clean. They didn't have these nice boots, Drake, you know, with the flags on it and stuff. They didn't have the nice fancy boots. Man, they wore stinky sandals. And they're walking around in, in dirt and, and dust. They were Gross. They had to take a good, they had to take good care of their feet. It was gross. This job was for the lowest person in the room, the lowest servant. So Jesus, or Peter asked Jesus, why in the world, Jesus, are you washing my feet? Do you know what you're doing? Do you know where my feet have been? Do you know who, did you forget that you are king and you're washing my feet? And Jesus responds in verse seven. Jesus answered and said to them, what I do, you do not Realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you, Jesus, wash my feet. Jesus answered and said, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And I like what, like, it, it feels like Peter's challenging Jesus here a little bit. We've seen him do that. Anybody ever feel like they're challenging Jesus a little bit? I'm sure it's with good intent. He doesn't want God, he doesn't want the Messiah to stoop to that level to wash his stinky feet. So I believe Jesus is hearing from Peter, Jesus, you... This is this is below you. This is this, you're not supposed to do this. I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet, Jesus. But again, Jesus responds. He says if if he tells Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And things start to become a little clear. The foot washing was about being a servant. It is about taking care of others. Jesus has given the disciples an example of humble service, a kind of service that he wants us to render to others. But it wasn't just about being a servant. It was about a little bit more than that. Jesus is kind of like tag team teaching here. There's two different things happening here. Are you guys ready? We're going to walk through this. Jesus is telling Peter that if he doesn't wash him, if I don't wash you, Peter, then you will have no fellowship with me. It's a reference to salvation. A reference to why Jesus came in the first place. He said that he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That word for is important. A lot of times we just look at the Bible and we miss these words. It says he gave his life as a ransom for many. That word for in Greek means in place of. He's going to give his life in place of mine. Salvation. To wash us clean. Two lessons in one. Servanthood. And then Jesus washing us clean, clean, uh, clean of our sins. The washing is a symbolism of a, of a, of a spiritual cleansing. 1 John 1, 7 states this. The blood of Jesus, his son, the father's son, Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. It cleanses us from all sin. I don't think Peter fully gets it, but he's starting to. And we can tell that because there's a drastic change in, in Peter in verse 9. I don't think he's quite getting it yet, but he's, he's starting to grasp something. He's saying, wait a minute, If you don't if, if you don't wash me, then I can't be with you? Well, forget that. Just wash all of me, Jesus. Right? Wash all of me. Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Don't stop. Just wash me clean. He goes from don't ever wash me to Jesus. Make me clean. Wash all of me because I want that fellowship with you. His tune changes. Jesus, don't stop with my feet, but wash me completely. Let's just rest in that for a moment. Just Jesus I'm going to do this too. Just think about the sin that you had in your life this morning. And last night. And last week. And the one 20 years ago that you wish you never did. And Jesus says, I washed you of that. If I'm your Lord and Savior, I washed you clean of that. Isn't that huge? Isn't that just amazing? Wash me completely. Jesus gives a little explanation in verse 10. Jesus says, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean. What is Jesus saying here? When someone is bathed completely, washed completely, they are completely clean. He's talking about salvation here, right? So, so the washing to salvation, the cleansing that Jesus does on the cross with his blood at salvation needs to never be repeated. Jesus is big enough that one death covered all of it. Amen, church? One death. All right. One death. One death. His blood being spilled one time covers all of our sins. Amen, church? Those that truly belong to Christ do not need a multiple cleansing. Now, let's be, let's be very clear. We are still called to go and repent and ask for forgiveness of our sins. Are you guys with me? But that, that's just to help our relationship with Christ. They don't need to be saved over and over and over and over and over again. You just don't see that in God's word. But we do need to walk and love and serve as he calls us to. I'm going to take one more step. We left out a few words of that last verse, five words. I don't want us to miss this. He says in verses 10 through 11, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. And that's where he stopped. That's where we stopped. But then it says, But not all of you. For he, Jesus, knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he says, Not all of you are clean. We're going to talk about what this means for Judas and what this means for us. What is Jesus saying and why is it so important? He's saying that not all of you are clean. In other words, this is what he's saying out of the twelve of you in this room, not all of you really belong to me. Not all of you have a relationship with me. Not all of you are I'm not all of I'm not Are you with me? In other words, not not all of you really belong to me. I haven't washed all of you. Not everyone in the room with Jesus is a true follower of Christ. They weren't all in the family. Judas is in the room. Remember we talked about that before. Judas had already decided in his heart that he was going to betray Christ. He had already done some back some backroom deals. And now he's sitting in the room like a coward having a, having a, a meal with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, not everybody in here is clean. Judas is in the room, but he didn't belong to a part of the family. He is not clean. Jesus is not his Lord. Why is it so important for us to hear? Judas was with Jesus. I want us just to picture this. Judas did ministry with Jesus. Judas served with Jesus. Judas heard Jesus teach and love and do miracles. He was with him. I get it. We're not Judas. But why do we know this? Here's why. Because there are many, maybe even some people in this room. They go to church. They listen to Caleb. They do good things. They read their Bibles. But that doesn't make you a part of the family of God. I'm not saying that we're the same as Judas. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But here's what I am saying. Just because we call ourselves a Christian or identify ourselves as a Christian or have a Caleb bumper sticker or, or even put it on Facebook. I know everything's Facebook official. But just because we put something on Facebook that says we're a Christian doesn't mean that we're a follower of Christ. Judas was a disciple that walked with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Jesus is saying, not all of you are clean. He did disciple things. He did religious things with Jesus. And Jesus says that, Judas, you're not clean. You're not in fellowship with me. Jesus makes it clear for us. This is for us. Right now, for us, throughout all of Scripture, well, the New Testament, Jesus wants us to get it. He came to serve us. He came to give us what we needed because we couldn't serve ourselves he came to provide because we were not able and as we stated before we were never good enough and we're never going to be good enough we can never do enough and we never will be able to do enough so jesus says that he came to seek and to save the lost he came to die for you and for me and he is the only way of salvation he's it church if there's something out there teaching something you different, I'm just laying it out for you. That's a lie from hell. Jesus is it. We can't earn our way. We can't, we can't do anything on our own. We have to place our faith and our trust in Jesus and let, us wa- let him wash us clean of our sins. And Judas looked religious but didn't really know Jesus. Jesus took the opportunity here in this passage to do two things. He's serving them and he's teaching them about serving. But he also took the time... To teach them about his ability to wash them clean. To cleanse them, to wash away their sins, to pay their price. I just want to take a time out here just for a second. If you're here today and you're saying, you know, I've done this church thing. I've I've gone to this. I've been religious. My grandma was religious, so it makes me religious. I mean, I'm not lying to you. That's the idea. Like, it's I believe there's a Jesus. I believe in church. I believe in the Bible. But if you don't, if Jesus never washed you clean of your sins, you don't belong to him. And he says, I want to. I want you to belong to me. I want to wipe, wash, wash you clean of your sins. It doesn't matter what you've done or how many times you've done it. I need you to belong to me. I need you to make me Lord of your life. So we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that, that Jesus is God and that he was raised from the dead. And we make him Lord of our lives. Amen, church? Verse 12 through 15. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, so he's cleaned himself up, he's sitting back there, he says to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. Are we catching that? He's teacher and he's Lord. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I give you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Jesus jumps back into the example of servanthood with them. He let them know, outside of Jesus, "You're you're in fellowship with me. You were washed, you're made clean by me. And now, after Jesus had finished all their feet, he asked them a question. Do you know what I've done to you? He's teaching them, if I'm your Lord, if I'm the teacher, if I'm the one in charge, if you guys say I'm this highest ranking, and I am, and I wash your feet, why aren't you washing somebody else's feet? Why aren't you serving? You too should follow my example and serve. Serve one another. Be willing to serve one another, church. Be willing to serve one another. Jesus served, as we saw earlier, he served selflessly. But how else did he serve? If he is saying, follow me in my example, how else did he serve? Because he's telling us very intentionally, serve like me. Are you guys with me on that? He's, serve like me. So if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus is saying, follow my lead, love others, and serve others like me. So there's three more ways that we want to see Jesus serve here, right out of our text. Jesus served selflessly first, and then he served unannounced. Jesus served unannounced. Seems like we can't serve without taking a selfie of us serving anymore. It's true. Jesus didn't make a big announcement. He quietly got up, he got ready, and he began to serve. He didn't post it on Facebook and say, guys, I'm, I'm sure they had some kind of Facebook. I don't know. He got up quietly, he got ready, and he began to serve. Is that evident in your life? Are you able to quietly get up and to begin to serve without a big spotlight on us? Here's a question for us. Are we able to get up and serve without getting any attention? That's a tough one. We do good things for good reasons, but we want to get noticed for it. I think about my mom growing up. My mom served selflessly in the kitchen at our church, hundreds of people all the time. I don't even know if most people knew she was even in there. Are we willing to do that? We see Jesus serve voluntarily. He chose to serve Right. That's why he came. He came to bring us life. He came to bring us what we needed. It's not like God the Father just placed him down here, beamed him down here and said, all right, figure out what you're going to do. Well, you should probably serve. Jesus came with the intention to serve. He came to serve us before we even knew we needed to be served. So for us, do we serve, do we love others by serving voluntarily? Right? Isn't this so true? Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. If you've ever been in charge, especially over volunteers, all right, just think about that, and you've been tasked with gathering people to serve, right, you all have like your eyes on me right now, but as soon as I ask you to do something, you will lose eye contact with me, it's just how it works, right, it's just how it works, amen, Amen, brother. You sit on a plane and you're sitting there and you've got, you've got the outer row, right? And you could serve somebody that's coming in that could either sit right here or right here, but you keep your eyes down, don't you? Right? Come on, church. You know what I'm saying. Like, we don't, we avoid it. It's our human nature. We, we look away. Don't pick me. Don't ask me. I'm not, I'm not going to get eye contact with you. Brent's like, I'm in trouble now. We got eye contact. Now you're trying, aren't you? You're just going to stay focused. But don't pick me. Don't pick me. But Jesus did it voluntarily. It's in our nature. By the way, some people have the gift of serving. Amen? We have some people right here in the room with the gift of serving. And boy, they're good at it. But let me lay something out here for you. Just because there there are people that have the gift of being an evangelist. But are we all called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Right? There are people with the gifting of serving. But aren't we all called to serve? Let's not leave them to serve alone. There is a statistic in the United States in the Christian church. Here's the statistic. Out of all the work that needs to be done for church, 80% of the work and serving that is done in the church is done by 20% of the people. Or less. I will tell you this. Our percentage is higher than that. We do better than that. But we're not where we need to be at. 80% of the work and serving that is done in the church is only done by 20% of the people. Just think how effective a church would be if that number was flipped. More people, more involvement, more gets done. Now here's here's the thing. Not for the glory of Authentic Life Church. Not for the glory of the pastor or the person serving. But for the glory of God and for the advancement of the gospel. We have to ask ourselves, when was the last time we served voluntarily? When was the last time we served voluntarily? In the church, in your home, with your friends, outside of the church? And please know my heart here, we do have work to do in this area, but we do have a serving church. We have a serving church. We are much better in that percentage. We have hearts in here that are willing to get up at 5 a.m. to go lay out boundaries for an Easter egg hunt. We have people in here that, 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 that serve voluntarily and graciously in kids' life with your kiddos. They get extra stars for having my kiddos, right? They serve on the welcome team or the worship team or whatever team that is. But think how effective we would be if more people jumped in to help serve where they can. Now, we understand not everybody can serve in every area, and nor should we. If you're not good with kids, stay out of kids' life, right? We want those kids to come back. But I will tell you this, if you have the ability to serve with kids, please sign up and serve with kids, because we have kids life workers that get to come to church once a month, maybe once every two months, because there's not enough people serving. There are people that have to show up on Sunday morning, and they do it good, and they probably wouldn't even want me saying this, but we have people showing up at church on Sunday morning and serving with a smile every single Sunday, because their team's not big enough for them to take a week off. Are you guys with me? You get what I'm saying? That should not be with followers of Christ. It should not be with followers of Christ. 80% of the work being done by 20% of the people. You're going to have the percent of the people that can't serve. They're past that time or things in their life won't allow them to do that. But it's a whole lot better than 20%. Amen? Serve voluntarily. How effective would we be if we jumped in and served where we can? By the way, I'm excited. Our church is a serving church. but We have work to do in that. Jesus served selflessly, unannounced, voluntarily, and the last one is this. This is a tough one. Jesus served those that didn't deserve it. Right? There are people that come to your mind, I just said that phrase, and there are people in your mind that are like, yep, this person does not deserve me serving. They don't deserve it. But Jesus was in the room serving a group of men, and one of them was about to betray him and hand him over to die. What excuse do we have? Jesus loved by serving those that didn't deserve it. We, too, can serve those that don't deserve it. Listen as Jesus closed out here in the last few verses. Truly, truly, in verse 16, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than the one who sent him. We're not greater than God. Amen? Let's let's lay that one out. You and I are not greater than God. We are not greater than Jesus. And Jesus just served others. He served those that he loved. He served those that, that didn't even love him. He served those that, that followed him. Jesus did the job of the lowest servant in the room. These people's feet were nasty. This might be like us going and, and cleaning up somebody's toilet that has a four and five year old little boy. I'm, I'm not I'm not. This is gross. They, they were gross. But he humbled himself to serve those. And Jesus says in verse 17, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So we know, and we're, hear- we're hearing Jesus. I just want you guys to hear me out. You're hearing it, so now we know it, right? We know it. It means to understand, to have knowledge, to perceive, to pay attention to. So now that we know this, so if you have the mindset of being a servant, that's great. But if you do them, if you know you need to serve, but you actually do it, then you will be blessed. That word translated literally means happy. You will have joy. You will be happy when you are obedient to what God is calling you to do, in this case, in serving. Our world won't tell us that. Really, I'll be happy if I wash your feet? But that's what Jesus says. He said, you will be blessed. You will have joy. You will be, you'll be happy. Just a few takeaways before we close up this morning. When we think about serving, serving in the church, serving others, we serve not for ourselves, we serve to show others who Jesus is. As followers of Christ, our job is to imitate Christ, amen? And so we're showing them who Jesus is. Our goal is to share Jesus, and when we serve, opportunities are presented. We can say we serve to show you who Jesus is and that he loves you, right? We want you to see him in our life. We want him to live through us. So we serve to show others who Jesus is, and we serve because of whose we are, right? We're followers of Christ. We're followers of Jesus. Remember, when we run out of patience or we get distracted, we can remember we serve because we are his. We belong to Christ, and he served us first he loved us first we let and that's a lot of times we get this mentality of okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna live for jesus today right we've said that i'm gonna live for jesus there's nothing there's not there's not bad i'm gonna live for jesus but how do we change our 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 dialogue to or change our language i'm gonna let christ live through me i'm gonna let christ live through me then it's all on him We can going to close with one of our opening passages, Mark 10, 45. For even Jesus, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Church, I, I, I want to high-five you from up here. Way to go. You're worth serving, church. But there's still too many people carrying the burden. Are you with me? When other people can carry that. We serve Jesus because... He served us first. He came and was what we needed. And so we love others. We love the local church. We love the community, one another. And, and we do that by serving because we were first loved and served by him. So my question this morning is this. First of all, we talk about knowing Christ and following Christ and being cleansed by Christ. If, is, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, I just want you to hear this. You can't be religious enough to, to earn Jesus. We can't do anything to earn Jesus. That's why he had to come to die for us. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You want to have eternal life? You want to spend eternity in heaven with Christ? You want to have the life he intended you to have? You want to, you want to, uh, you want to be saved? You want to wipe, wipe clean and forgiven of your sins? It's Jesus. Are you with me? It's Jesus. And he wants to cleanse you of that. And for us as a church, let's love one another by serving. Amen? When you say amen, that means in one accord. It means you agree. Just want to remind you of that. All right, let's pray.